my Harumai uh, to the Faku podcast, which invites you and people from all walks of life to converse about various access to equity within the context of Aotearoa. We invite people like yourself and our beautiful, intelligent, intuitive um, guests today to share their lived experiences in an, inf- in an effort to identify common threads within support systems, social networks, and knowledge that uplifts the collective human experience. Kelsey, what is our season two question? So this season we are exploring what does equity and knowledge look like for various communities coexisting within one society. As Tauriwi and Aotearoa, we recognise the mana whenua and kaitiaki of these lands. Malusio and I have experienced most of our growth in the Waikato and want to honour Ngāti Hoa, Ngāti Mahana and Ngāti Wairere. Hey, hey. We are grateful for the connections our whakapapa weaves through for us to be able to connect and grow with community through the Whāku Kaupapa. Malusio and I would also like to honour our queer ancestors who fought for our rights and visibility as equitable citizens of the world. Kia ora, my name is Kelsey and I use they them pronouns. Noe Mauri Otoasa Maluseo, and people use uh, he, him pronouns for me. Hello, everybody. My name is Maluseo, and today we just want to gift it off to our champion. Uh, thank you so much for giving us your time, um, and over to you for you to introduce yourself, however you fashion yourself to be. Kia ora, everyone. Um, my name is Sian Parker. Uh, I use um, her, uh, she and her pronouns. Um, I am... Hoi, where do you start? Um, <laughs> My dad uh, um, is Roy Hinare and he uh, comes from Ngāpui. Um, but my mum, Marie, is who raised me. And she is Pakia, and I was raised in the Waikato. So for me, the Waikato region is home. I was born and raised here. I think I will live here forever and ever. Um, and if I go anywhere else, I'll always come back here. Mm. Um, I am a artist, a theatre maker, and a writer and a performer um and i produce on this side as well uh i have a five-year-old boy mason so i'm also a mom um yeah those are kind of all the points that i think of when i try and explain who i am beautiful I'm just I'm still like shout out to your son and shout out to the yeah. to the whanau that have raised you because uh um I have personally witnessed um how much uh your your artistry and how much vulnerability that um you're able to 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 invite people into and I feel like that's that's the beauty of the work that um that I've been um, in proximity to is that your your work invites people to 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 rethink or to find new reference points for what vulnerability looks like for themselves as well as how to hold vulnerability for other people mm-hmm. um now is that something that you, that you was your aim all along like you know was that your master plan all along or was that something where you like actually I want to talk about this and you take what you want to take <laughs> Far, I wish I had a master plan um <laughs> come in handy um yeah are we are you, are you talking about um my work like, yes yeah so I guess yeah, I think vulnerability is a really common theme in all the work that I do, but it's never intentional. It always probably stems from honesty and um, therefore comes out as vulnerability. So uh, the works that I've I've made have always stemmed from wanting to um, explore, uh, explore perspectives of life that I grew up around whether that's personal stories um, and, and drawing from my own lived experience or, you know, the, the communities that I was raised in and thinking, far these, these, these guys deserve to be on the main stage. They crack up, they're heartfelt, you know, they're genuine and they all have stories, but I wasn't seeing it. So that's really what drives me. Um, and, and, and it just ha- so happens that that drive to get kind of that realness and that honesty and that perspective on stage, people seem to think that's quite vulnerable for me to present to them. Um, but yeah, I never go into it thinking, I'm going to be really vulnerable. <laughs> yeah. Mm. I think like, like I've, I've had the privilege of seeing some of your shows and photographing some of your shows, which is so cool. Yes. Um, and the first time I saw, like, I'd seen little pieces here and there. Um, and then when I saw it in its entirety, sorry for your loss for the first time, 
I could see people in the audience connecting with different pieces of it and I think that potentially they see that vulnerability because maybe they're not in a position where they feel like they can have that conversation Mm. Um, and yeah it was really interesting to see watch parts stuck for different people yeah and yeah to be able to capture that I felt really blessed to be able to be part of it so thank you that was cool that show was really interesting because there was uh, I I first started that show wanting to make an ensemble piece about being bicultural and I wanted Mm. to explore uh, the kind of tagline that I took into that creative process was exploring what it feels like to have one foot in two worlds but never landing in either and that was kind of that was where I wanted to go it was a completely different show to what Sorry for Your Loss became but what was really beautiful with the development of that and that was through the Waikato New Works Incubator Program uh, what came out of it was my own personal story and having someone say that's a show that's a valid show that's that's it and I'm going no you know what that's not interesting it's not very you know engaging come to find out that's that was the superpower of that show and that um the exchange that I have as a performer with the audience people can interpret that as me going this is my life and take it but it for me it's within the safety of the confines of performance so mm-hmm. even though I walk out and I say, hi, I'm Sian and I'm an actor and I'm going to, you know, thank you for coming tonight. Did you get a drink? Great. I'm going to tell you a story and we're just going to, we're going to do this together. Come along. Even though that's how I frame it, it's still me coming out as a performer. Mm. So it's not me genuinely going, hey, it's me because if it was, it'd be very awkward. Uh, <laughs> I'm quite <laughs> introverted in, in real life. So yeah, that, that exchange allows for me to go to places that I, I wouldn't go as, as me, as an actual person. Um, but it also gives the audience a safety net to be able to pull things from watching that performance and going, oh, I can actually feel those feelings of watching, you know, this poor girl waiting for her dad to show up and he doesn't. And I can feel that because I'm in the confines and safety of performance and performing arts. And I know that after this, she'll take a bow, she'll leave stage and I can, and I can walk away with these feelings. So yeah, it's a long winded way talking no, about that kind I of love that. I process. love that. I love that. Cause to me, I'm like, is that, is, is that something that, that, that as an actor or as a performer, you're, you're taught as you're, you're, you're taught of being like, this is, this is it. This is the safety of this. This is where you're going to give all of the, all, all of your energy and effort and, and emotions to this. And then we, we, we close it up and then you ritual, is there a ritual process of ritualing into that and ritualing out of that? Yeah. Hard out. I, I mean, you, for majority of your training as an actor, you're learning someone else's words you know you're interpreting them yourselves and you're bringing your your character in and you're building your you're making very conscious decisions as a performer but you're always relaying someone else's words Mm. and so that already kind of changes that ritualistic um process of telling one story when it's one my own words two my own story and i'm using everything in that show is real um and happened it's necessary to create a process where I'm able to step out and step off. And for me, that's the stage area. So the minute I step off that stage, it's back to me being myself. And even when I go out for foyer chats, um, especially with Sorry For Your Loss, I would have people coming to me. I'd spend about an hour and a half after every show talking to audience members who just felt engaged enough to share their stories. Mm. And they weren't necessarily talking to me about, oh, so your dad and your mum and oh, so you did this? They were going, my mum, my mum raised me like that, or um, I'm that dad. I had a few fathers come and say, I'm that dad, and I never knew how much that meant of not showing up for that, you know. So that allowed people to to kick into feeling like they could find a connectedness. But because I was able to walk off that stage, it feels some ways that you kind of create this this. Um, experience for people but you you give it to them on the stage you leave it there and then you walk off and they take it I'm not taking that home um yeah so that that kind of sets sets that up nicely for me to safely go in and out 
The ability to create that safety for yourself, I think, is really important. It, um, I have to, I have to recognize as well that I needed time to be able to tell that story. Mm. You know, so it's not, and I think a lot of people struggle to see that 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 kind of full circle thing of that story had ended years before I started making it. Delicious. And although, yeah, like I. The safety for myself to go there was allowed by time and I was processing mm. all of that to a point where I was able to present it to people. When I first performed the show, different <laughs> different story. I was really nervous about it. Um, I'm really private and I'm, it, I'm good at faking it, but I am very introverted. Um, so it's very strange to, to put out personal stuff like that. Um, but after that first show, and I was terrified, I was terrified of going out there and, and having people know details about your life. Uh, but it's, it's that, it's that exchange that happens after the show where you, where multiple people come up to tell you their, their version of that story. And you go, oh, okay, this story doesn't belong to me anymore. That exchange means that that's their story. Very rarely did I have anyone come up to me to say, so tell me more about that Ooh. person. Yeah. You know, mm. it's always, I know this person, this is how it made me feel. I remember being like that. And you're like, okay, there's this war between us where they're holding that story that's their own. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious to jump back a little bit around what you said around um, the knowing of when it was safe for you to share the story. How did you know that it, you were ready? Was mm. there a moment? Was there an experience? Like, what happened? Or, yeah, how did you know you were ready to share? I've got a long-winded story for this, and it might not be interesting to anyone. I think go, it go is. there. Come go on. There. Um, so I was twenty-three, I think, when I made that show, um, and. It, as I said before, it was part of the Waikato New Works Incubator Program. Um, and in the story, there's a scene, there's a Facebook conversation, messenger conversation between myself and a niece. She's actually older than me, but it's a niece. And when I was 18, she messaged me directly on Facebook and said, hey, my uncle is looking for his daughter and his daughter's name is your name. Is this you? And it was. Cut to when I was 23, I was a part of this incubator program and I was wanting to create my own show. Uh, I get a text from that cousin who's an actor and she said, hey, I've been contracted to do this thing in Hamilton. They're looking for another actor. Are you available? And I said, what are you doing? And she said, the Waikato New Works incubator program. And I was like, I'm on that as, a, as one of the makers. And she was like, oh my gosh, we had never met each other. So it was a really strange, you know, we kind of came together. She told me a lot about my dad, but I just was never ready to kind of meet her. And she didn't want to cross that line, you know. So we had chatted a few times throughout the years, but we never met. We lived both in Hamilton, never met. I followed her. She's been in, you know, movies. And stuff. I've watched her, but never met her. And then I show up to one of the workshop weekends. Kelsey, you probably photographed that this weekend. And I showed up at the medial theatre and she was sitting at the table with Victor Roger and it, we were having one-on-one mentor sessions with different mentors and I realized it was my turn and I had come in late from work so I didn't you know meet anyone beforehand I walked straight in sat down on the table opposite me was my niece Afina uh Afina Rose Ashby Hinare she's sitting there Victor Roger's sitting there who's a well-known playwright I'm overwhelmed and uh, Victor's asking me about this ensemble piece and he's going, "What? how can you make it, you know, different? You're, yes, you're bicultural. There's been many shows about this. What's different about your story? And I'm like really stiff and giving weird cardboard answers and I keep looking at Afina and Afina's looking at me and we're both giving like, ah. and he's like, okay, what's going on? Something's going on. What's going on? And we came out the whole story basically of sorry for your loss came out on that table 
and we said to him, this is the first time we've met. The last time we messaged each other, she she was telling me about my dad. And we've never met in person. And this is our first meeting that you're watching. And he went, this is the show. This is more interesting than anything you've told me. This is your show. And I looked at her and I went, I couldn't possibly, uh, I don't, I can't tell that, you know, that has to do with my dad who I don't have communication with. Spoiler alert, he had passed away. It was like, I can't tell that story. And she looked at me, she was like, yeah, you can. It's your story. I was like, can I tell this story? Is this my story to tell? What should I? That was the exchange that led me to making Sorry for Your Loss. That was where I went, oh, maybe I can take ownership of that story. And being able to build that relationship with Afina in the space where she went, yeah, you tell that. I'll talk to my aunties. I'll talk to your dad's sisters. They're going all good. Go, tell. And I was going, oh, okay. So that's the long-winded story of how I felt like I was able to to go there because I just needed someone to to approve of it mm. on his behalf. Yeah. That's beautiful. I didn't know that you guys had never met. That yeah. was crazy. Never. And to meet at the mentor session. Yeah. It wasn't like meet and greet beforehand, everyone kind of, hi, I'm so-and-so. I had to come straight from work and I sat down at that table and Victor's given me some questions. I'm like, hi. It's crazy. And you're so right. Victor is a player, like it's a powerhouse, right? Like when, when you said you were starstruck, like I'm like, yo, it feels. Yeah. It feels. I'm so, yeah, that's such a, you front loading it. It might be a boring story. I'm like, what? No, no, no. <laughs> You it's are. just long. It's long. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious. Um, when we talk about knowledge, I f- I feel like each person. It's one of those words like knowledge and trust and respect are words that everyone kind of has their own idea of what that word means for them. And so I'm curious, like, what is knowledge to you? If you had to describe it, what would it be? I've been trying to think of this and I think initially if you were just to ask me off the cuff it would it would and I wish it wasn't but it would be heavily tied to education it Mm. would be tied to formal education it would be tied to you know training to what's that saying we to become a master at something you have to do 10,000 hours or something be tied to that kind of thing and commitment to something and working towards and being knowledgeable about something um and I was thinking about that and I was thinking, I know so many people that have not had formal education that didn't do well in institutions. Um, but I would go to them for so many things. And I think what needs to happen and what I tried to consciously do when thinking of this question was to reframe what knowledge is. And I was thinking about, you know, the mahi that I've done in theatre and being fortunate enough to do My training has helped and my, you know, the teachers that I've had and and the guidance and the mentorships that I've had, that's helped heavily. But a lot of what's happened in regards to shows that I've made uh, is the lived experience, is the accepting that that story has value um, and using that training to to share that story. But what actually tends to be received is the story itself, if that makes sense. So to me, knowledge is is not just formal training, but it's um, accepting that lived experience can give us knowledge. It's just kind of trying to take that out of of all the emotions that come with lived experience and looking at the lessons that we learn within it. Mm. Yeah. That's beautiful. That was so... Go. Go, Molly. No, I I feel like you dance really beautifully with how intellectually smart you are and how like simplistic you 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 <laughs> you, you, you gift it because it's like it ain't that deep, fam. And also, it is. Like, <laughs> Word. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. And see, that's what I love about the way that you're able to 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 show us what knowledge is because 
what I what what I'm what I'm really and and please call me in if 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 I've, I've, I've misinterpreted. But what I'm hearing is that knowledge for you is lived experience, mm. and that lived experience is could be one hundred percent be nurtured in a, in a formal institute and 99.9% of the time is actually what you do outside of the institute that actually enrich and like elongate and add color to the knowledge that, 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 we're, that, we're, that we're trying to accumulate or that we already have in, mm. in, in, in various forms. Because um, I feel like for me, you're so right. The tensions between what knowledge is and isn't is usually dictated by formal education. Totally. Mm. And that like I feel like me and Kelsey. That's why we were really curious about this 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 question for for this semester. Uh, for, for this semester, wow! <laughs> wow! <laughs> can you tell? Can you tell? I'm I'm very indoctrinated, <laughs> <situational>. huh? <laughs> can you tell? I'm heavily deeply in that. <laughs> so yeah, so that's why we we're really interested with what knowledge is because you've literally articulated something that we've we we feel strongly that knowledge exists so much more outside of the classroom and outside mm. of institutes yet there's marketing and there's this 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 information around us that says yeah it's you will not be able to find rich knowledge unless you go and study or do some of mm. these things and yep I'll, I'll actually i'll claim that that's me me and my perceptions and also i'm like people going to 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 your um to your your show and receiving that deep knowledge and that mirror for themselves for them to reflect on like this the healing like when you're when you're talking about it i just like i kept i just kept on hearing the word healing like people are healing themselves as they see you and you're able to get yourself to a place where you can be vulnerable or not even vulnerable you can be strong enough to share a story that's actually rough for a reflection for them to mm. see themselves and to meet themselves so i'm like i'm really in- long story short i'm just very interested to see how is that something like is is knowledge for you something that that we already have innately, or is that something that we have to experience to to, to gain, or a bit of both? I guess I think both. Hey, I think both because you can't. Some kids they're walking around. You're like that kid has has seen something. You know they've got something, and they've only been alive for a year. And you're like that. No kid should be able to do that. But also something that I was thinking while you were talking about, and it might relate. You might have to remind me to tie it back into the question. But uh, something that it made me think about was how knowledge is so, so tied to a hierarchical structure where we think, you know, to be knowledgeable is to put you quite high up. And I have so many people that I know that, you know, maybe directly say out loud, but in some ways call themselves dumb or go, oh, well, I'm not very good at this or uh, I don't know, I'm an egg. I don't know. I I don't know that. Uh, and it's usually because they haven't ticked boxes and things like that, but there's things that they know that I would never know, even though I haven't had, you know, I've, I've gone through that formal education. So I think, um, it's something that you're born with. It's something that you, you gain as you keep living, but it's also something that you have to be able to unlock, to recognize you know, that you hold that knowledge. So it's not just something that someone else can hand you over with a piece of paper and go, nailed it, you've gained the knowledge, move to the next level. It's something that, you know, my brother who dropped out of high school uh, can go and do handy handyman work. And I'm going, I don't know how to do any of that. And for him to be able to recognise that that's knowledge, it's something mm-hmm. that's not as widely kind of discussed so I think, yeah, to me, it's three parts. It's yeah, what you're born into, uh, what you live, you know, live through, and what you learn th- as you as you live, but also what you're able to recognize and and kind of that reflective process of going, oh yeah, shit, I've got, I've got some knowledge. It's just not conventional. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's not what's valued as knowledge. Mm. Yeah. Especially in like a Western context too. Totally. Yeah. And in some ways my art form is, is very similar. Um, you know, at university I studied theatre studies and I did well. Um, I was fortunate to be quite good academically and I always saw that as you're lucky to have those skills. It's not something that's, you know, everyone has. But um, I think of 
you know, I think of hundreds of years ago before we were colonized, we were telling stories very similar to how I tell Sorry for Your Loss, very similar, you know, and it's not necessarily what gave me the good grades in tertiary education always that that gave me the ability to create works like that. Again, it coincides, it helped me and the partnerships that I've made with, with my creative partners, I met at uni. They were my lecturers, you know. Well, I'm talking about one. Laura Hawhey, who helped me make Sorry for Your Loss, she, she taught me in that tertiary education, but it's also recognising, like, there's a creative flair, there's a storytelling element that has been happening hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago before lights and the sparkle and the glitz and the glam where it's just one person standing in front of another person going, this is how I'm seeing the world. What do you think? You know, like you just bear it down to the bones of it. And you're like, how is that not knowledge? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Koha. That that totally resonates for me. Um, Because we literally like, so that's, that's, that's basically the reason why um, this co-popper exists because we were like we're not we're not we're not exposed to unconventional forms of knowledge um and for me and kelsey and this, I, I won't speak for kelsey but for me i was like i i have most of my knowledge is passed on to me by all of my grandmas and like and my grandparents and for me it was like it was it was kind of stank because it's like when you go into the institutions it's like for me, it was too loaded. I was like, like double sided because I was like, I don't feel like my 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 grandparents' knowledge um, is welcomed here. And at the same time, I feel like if I was to expose this, I don't think they would know the potency of the knowledge here. Mm. And I'm like, is this a safe space for me to share? And also, is this a safe space for 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 the knowledge to be embraced? Because I'm like, and nine times out of ten, it's like, oh, that's right it's it's in our family spaces for a reason it's in our like iwis and in our hapus for a reason and at mm. the same time there's these people like you who are, i i would consider cultural shifters because you're actually extending the borderlines of what safety could be mm. for for okay. a lot of us and that's why i'm like how, how do you, how are you feeling into that first of all thank you <laughs> well <laughs> yeah. um yeah no i i what one thing there is there is value in the education system mm. that could be controversial <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna put that out there now i understand <laughs> but hear me out yeah so i grew up in malville and i hey, love hey. that community i love it that's home i walk through those streets i go to beta beta street i go to Erlich, and i'm like home but there was not a lot of opportunity there to see beyond what was there. And what I mean by that, and it's coming from love, is that it would have been super acceptable to see after school to think, I'm going to be a parent, probably a solo parent, go on the benefit. I might work entry-level jobs. Um... You know, we're our local supermarket, we knew who worked there, the dairies, the laundromat, the bottle shop, you know, all of that. That's kind of where I'm at, retail or hospo. If I want a job, that's where I'm going to go, petrol station. Again, not to say anything bad with these, but talking about looking at, you know, outlook of life and how far we could go. Uh, I'd end up in jail. I'd be in a gang. Um, I'd have issues with the system constantly. That was my perception of what could have been. And because I was fortunate enough to be good at school, I was able to see a pathway beyond that. And I never ever disregard that as being luck. I'm good at it and I worked really hard at school, but I was fortunate that I was able to academically strive for excellence and go further. And so for me, academia was a pathway of reaching beyond what was expected of me um and again not to say anything is wrong with those things that I pointed out but it's it's just a community um trying to survive that's all it was it was just people were hustling and we were just trying to make ends meet and you know if you got new school shoes at at the start of the term mean as but other than that 
everyone was just trying to do their best. So mm-hmm. for me, formal education gave me the stepping stones to see, oh, I could do that. And again, that only kind of went to teacher. I, I went, yeah, mean, I'm going to do well. I'm going to get scholarships. I'm going to get the highest grade possible. I'll go to university. I'll be the first in my family to go. I'll graduate and I'll be a teacher. And that was, you know, again, lifting what I perceived possible in my life. So when we're talking about knowledge, there is huge value in an education system. Mm-hmm. I found my worth in education. I found my place in the world. I found, oh, I'm I'm worthy enough to get excellence. And I, I'm worthy enough to get merit, but I know I have the hustle to get excellence. And it gave me goals. It gave me, okay, I'm going to set higher and I'm going to push harder and I'm going to push harder. And I, and I look at my peers and I look at my family and I look at their friends, my siblings' friends, and I think, you know, the education system failed them. They didn't have believers. They struggled. Uh, academia was not for them. And they didn't have the skill set that I had. And, and I see that reflected in, in, you know, the pathways that they were able to take. So, yeah, that's my long-winded way of saying there is value in the education system. Um, again, we have to be careful with how we, how we structure that in terms of hierarchy. Mm-hmm. I don't think one's above the other, but I think for, for many kids like me that grew up in a community like myself, it can be your safeguard. It can be mm-hmm. something you can show up for and you can get to places. And, and for my journey of formal education, I've now become able to choose my pathway you know, I'm able to choose what career looks like to me and have variety in the life that I live. And that has a lot to do with my education. True. Does knowledge change or is there, can you talk on the tension points when, when, um, and on how knowledge plays out for you as a teacher versus a student? Yes. So I was talking about the settings in which hmm. um, the tension and the shifts are based on. Um, so for me, the difference, well, the main thing of tension and, and having to shift that knowledge is dependent on where I'm at. So I'm very, I'm hyper aware of um, areas that I am in and how I may be perceived and how I want to be perceived um, on the basis of knowledge. So mm. how I present myself uh, when I'm uh, tutoring a class at the university uh is very different to how I am in a high school classroom with a group of boys that are half interested uh that just want to go to rugby practice very different and my my basis of knowledge shifts to cater to who I'm at and then we 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 were talking um before about your kind of relationship with the curriculum I think that's really interesting as well mm. of um, what you have to adhere to when you're in that teaching position. I think my main, again, that tension and that pull is around um, who's in front of me. So when I think of you know being a high school teacher, I have this curriculum and I have this lesson plan and I have this knowledge that I need to instill and what they need to retain to pass. I have that playing out, but I'm also looking at this boy in the corner who I know is going to fail and he has a lot going up against him. And I know that this curriculum is not fit for him and the, and the content that I'm teaching doesn't engage him. And I know that at some point I'm gonna to have to fault him for it. That's a huge tension for me around, you know, who's in front of me and what knowledge is put at the forefront for them. Because I'm going, okay, he's not gonna get this essay. He can't, he's, he, you know, he might not be able to write an essay but I know he can write a sentence now and that's huge. And that took six months to get there, but he can write that sentence and that's huge knowledge for him, but it's mm. not valued for what I have to mark for. That's a, that's a tension. Yeah. I love that because literally that's, that's one of the, the, the main um, tension points that I've experienced as well is that because people come into the classroom as like, you know, at different stages of life, you know, and they're with different resources, with diff- different knowledge in their kitty. And mm-hmm. it's like, somebody's like somebody literally writing a sentence or somebody finally telling their story is a massive leap yeah mm. it's a massive leap within if, if, if i have them for 18 weeks and they finally get to tell their story 
Um, whereas, like, you know, you've got other students on the different spectrum. They tell their story straight away in, in week one, and they come prepared. And, they're, and, and they've had the access to, 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 to different resources, which you've alluded to, which is something that I, it's, it's always a tension point for me because I'm like, oh, my marking schedule doesn't allow for that. Mm-hmm. My my marking sheet doesn't allow for that. But at the same time, when we move it away from when we move it away from a formal education setting, those little golden nuggets and gems are like so potent. And I love mm-hmm. it when it comes from our elders or our young. Like mm-hmm. sometimes I literally just be sitting down and those young uns just literally like, Oh, that's hey, we don't we don't we don't even need to talk about this. It's just not fair. And I'm like I love the simplicity without having yeah. to talk about the complexity. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's just not fair. Okay. Let's not talk about it. Mm. Thank you. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Okay. looks like you guys know what you're talking about because we are in our generation. We're still fighting about who's right and wrong. And they're yeah. like, it's just not fair. Full stop. Yeah. <laughs> Done. Yeah, exactly. And okay. So I guess, and maneuvering to our next question, how do you acquire, wear, move with knowledge? So what is, what, what, what is your personal perspectives on how you acquire knowledge, how you wear and move knowledge? Um, this one's harder because it's looking at myself, which I probably don't do enough. <laughs> um, I get, well, got to go back to training and, uh education i love it i love learning in those kind of settings i love finding a teacher or finding an expert and um learning from them if i think of theater uh in my practice i love um collaboration i i love to be around similar-minded people but i mean that in the basis of um what what we're doing so when we're making work when we're making theater I love to collaborate with other artists and watch how they work and watch how they're engaged, watch how they problem solve, um, how they structure stories. You know, that's constantly gaining knowledge for me. And in some ways that's more because it's practical and it's on it's on the, what do they call it? Like in it, in it. yeah, mm. in it directly, you know, to be amongst um, other artists and watch and practice. So that's kind of the practicality of of gaining knowledge is by doing, I think. Um, In terms of uh, holding knowledge, uh, I haven't quite cracked that yet. I haven't quite cracked that. It's it's an interesting transition that you go through, especially when you go to university, of you you spend, what is it, like 15 years in education? And then you get out of it and you go, how can I prove that I learned that? Mm. you know I don't have an assignment to show that and I don't have the final grade and I don't have you know oh I completed that paper so I'm I know about tragedy and so finding a measurable kind of factor for knowledge is very strange outside of a formal institution so I'm still learning that but I Mm. think um always going back to you know my my creative practice if I can see that something is working with other people, if I can see that all my work in creating a story or creating a piece can translate to someone, one person, then I'm going, oh, okay, there's something there that I've retained. There's something there that I'm holding. Um, and then when I think of like life experience and how I'm holding that kind of knowledge and, and my perception and my um, experiences, I think of my, my son and I think of what I choose to install in him and I think of what I, I tend to gravitate to protect him from. I, you know, that's very conscious of. That's because you've 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 had a maybe a negative experience of that, and so you don't want him to have that. That's knowledge as well. So yeah, when I think of uh, holding knowledge within a personal setting, it's it's truly what kind of parent I am, um, the priorities I have when I'm parenting, and again what's reflected back at me with my son and go oh okay that's great that you have that knowledge because it's come from somewhere Mm. yeah and what is that that like innate knowledge that you have in yourself either maybe from you know just stuff that you have acquired from whanau or friends or through your experiences outside of parenting is there another way that you kind of 
hold that in your body and is there a, a way that you share that beyond theatre or beyond parenting um I think I don't know if this answers the question but I'll attempt uh I think I'm very self-aware in the sense of I have I have gone through some things especially recently uh the last few years have been there's been highs and there's been lows but I'm really good at being able to compartmentalize that struggle and to be able to the way I see it and I work really visually Mm. uh, so sometimes words don't work the way I see it is something some way that I hold knowledge is that I'm able to pull things out whether that's trauma or that's you know good or bad knowledge Mm. I don't know I'm able to pull that out and look at it kind of like an Iron Man situation where he can, and it all comes out and he's able to look and, oh yeah, okay, unpack it. Love more. You know what I mean? I think that's one way that I hold knowledge within myself is I can sometimes step away from it to unpack it and then take Mm. what I can handle. Is Mm. that making sense? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Break yeah. it love down that, into sizable pieces, yeah. Yeah, and understand that there are some things that, you know, I've experienced that, and I have people say, you know, oh, I don't, I'd, I wouldn't be able to survive, you know, survive through that. And you think that's, that's, a, that's something that's helped me be able to cope with big things is I can pull things out, unpack it, take what I can handle, but also um, understand that there are some things that I can't handle um but but are there yet right see it at least exactly yeah yeah Yeah. i think often it's easy for people to say okay so this thing is right in front of me i have to deal with it right now and if i don't Mm. then i'm not a strong person whatever that Mm. bullshit means um Mm -hmm. i've had a very similar uh navigation through that as well like i I know that I need time and I need to be in this space to be able to deal with certain experiences. And there's one in particular that I know that I haven't been ready to deal with for a long time. And um, kind of like what you were saying around um, the story with your dad, the Sorry for Your Loss show, like you just need the time to mm. process. And like I'm kind of, I think... I'm coming to the tail end of that now. I'm not quite sure because kind of feels like it maybe. Who knows? But yeah, mm. I kind of I understand in my own way. I can identify with what you're saying. It's interesting because mm. not having to deal with it all right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you ever like? Do you ever feel like by? being able to compartmentalize something and to take the pieces that you need do you think that there's ever any the word I want to say is backlash but I don't think that's the right word by not dealing with the other pieces of like I don't want to deal with that right now but still recognizing that it's there Mm. like do you think that there's any social or societal um baggage around not dealing with something yeah do you know what I'm trying to say yeah I think so (laughs) um well I uh, yes I think so I I think um what I'm talking around is around grief and that monster (laughs) um that big can of worms and my experience of that has been when I'm looking at considering that and having to unpick that and then knowing what other people perceive of it. I've had people, people's perception of how I should be mm. uh, doesn't always meet with how I am. And and that's where people have a lot of, um, they struggle with that, of going, mm. oh, how, how can she be like this? Or how could she do this at that point in time? Um, and that's largely to do with that compartmentalizing and going, yeah, I can handle this right now. And, but also having the freedom to to not have to to not have to cope 
uh, and survive in a particular way that is, you know, understandable for other people. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And for people to really struggle with that and, and part of that kind of journey for me or of, 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 um, obtaining knowledge around how this kind of trauma and this grief and how do you work with it and live with it is understanding that I'm not going to be what people accept as a grieving person and for to, to kind of be free of that mm. allows for me to feel a little bit like I can I can pull those little things I can't handle but I can still hold them is because I'm not having to kind of hold them in public yeah that kind of yeah yeah Mm. and like grieving grieving or experiencing something in a way that's for you not for performative for other people yeah yeah Yeah. and even in the way that and, and we do this with like social conditioning for anything beyond grief but when people you know the age old question of how are you you get a how are you how are you really and that that second how are you really is purely for them do you know what I mean and it's understanding that and that's something that I've I've recognized by through compartmentalizing and and stepping away from things and seeing what's really happening and then having to step back in is understanding if I said to you right now I really struggle to get out of bed right now um I have to remind myself to shower and to eat and I'm here at the supermarket to get more groceries and it's a hard thing to get to then they'll feel better about it because they can they can digest that they go oh that's understandable that's that's what I expected but if I were to say yeah good I'm I'm actually getting chocolate I really feel like chocolate strawberry strawberry uh chocolate covered strawberries so popped in to get strawberries and I'm so excited for a Netflix and chill you know and they're like wait what it's not but how are you really Yeah. You go, that's really how I am. Mm, like they're digging for something else. Yeah. That's and so it's purely awkward for as them. well. Oh, it's yeah. so awkward because it's like, it's like they, like the way that I perceive what you're saying is that um, the person asking the question ha- has given themselves the permission or a privilege to your story. Mm. And they've already written your, st- like they've already <laughs> assumed your story for you and being mm. like, oh, I, I, I can save her by, by asking her exactly. this specific question that's going to unpack and heal that for her. Yeah. And often that's coming, well, not often, 99.9% of the time it's coming from love. They mm. want to help. Mm. And you know that and you understand that. And there's certain people in my life that I give them little, I could really do with this. And, and it helps them to help. But yeah, there is that kind of... um that varying understanding of uh, giving people time and space with their own experiences and their own, you know, lessons that they've learnt mm. and to value that there, there is learning happening uh, even if it doesn't look like it. You know, I can go to a social event for work and I will be laughing and I'll be drinking and very social and I've got that mask on because the mask at home is not for anyone else. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious, um, what kind of, you've touched on lots of different little pieces <laughs> throughout the corridor and, and I'm really grateful that you've been able to share lots of your experiences and the way that you navigate knowledge with us. And I'm curious, what kind of knowledge are you taking with you into this next season of your life? Mm. Like, is there a particular experience or piece that you are holding a little bit closer yeah. to home? I think um, for a long time, not a long time, uh, for the past two years, I've been purely set on just surviving them, just getting through them. Um and making sure my my focus is on my son, get him through, uh, working hard to get that moving. Do you know what I mean? So I'm kind of standing there and I'm pushing things forward and I'm going, yep, my son's good. Okay, great. My house is good. Bills are paid. Okay, my work, I'm, I'm pushing down, you know, 
not boundaries, but I'm pushing forward in my career. I'm making work that I'm proud of and I'm getting that out there. But I think something that I really am trying to do is take time for myself um, mm. and to be, and I mean this in a positive way, to be selfish. Yeah, 100. Um, yeah. And, and that's, you know, in all facets. And I do mean, you know, physically and, and um, materialistically, but also just, just for me to have time to look after myself. Um, I think I've spent a lot of time looking after other people and that's reflected in, in those around me. But yeah, really trying to fill my own cup is kind of my focus. Delicious. We love yeah. that. And because we're, 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 we're very much doing that in our own capacities and in our own fashion as well. So we're, we really are feed that for Carl so like big dick energy to the, that type of feelings. Because I'm like, yo, if you were, I'm like, that was my big dick. Yeah. <laughs> no, because I'm like, at the end of the day, um, well, I was just, I, I was unpacking this with, 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 um, with Kelsey, um, earlier on this week, but it was, it was hard for me to even admit that I could be selfish. And I'm like, I have been selfish the whole time. I just didn't want to associate that to being selfish, mm. <laughs> you know? Mm. And it's like, we, we are selfish by nature. Mm. We just don't want to consider, well, I, let me not say we, I didn't want to consider myself as, as, as a selfish being. And I'm like, no, nah, to be self selfish is actually to serve as well. Cause I'm, mm. I'm a better person when I'm being selfish. I'm a, mm. I'm a better person when I can serve myself. I can cater to my own Fakaro because my Fakaro is always yeah. <laughs> everywhere else. So I'm like, I, if I can answer my own Fakaro, I can hold space for other people to, 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 to wayfind. And I feel like that's what I really loved about your, your, your conversations before was it's like, how do we give people dignity to, to, to be where they're at without us actually having to, you know, be like, Oh, you've lost somebody or, Oh, you've, mm-hmm. you're, you're still hurt because of that breakup or, Oh, you're, th-. and I'm like, allow people the dignity to wayfind their own. And I'm like, surely they're doing absolutely fine. Surely, yeah. surely in this world, <laughs> they're doing yeah. absolutely fine. So with that being said, I also wanted to rewind to being like, what is the story that is archived for you and that inventory? What is that high security vault, AKA the far key? What's in your far key today? Again, it's long-winded. Go there. <laughs> oh. uh, when at the lowest point of my life, when I lost uh, my husband and, and life just was the pits. It was the pits. One of my closest friends said to me, uh, I, I just wanted to get back into work. I just wanted to work. I wanted to, you know... T- tidy my house, get everything in order and keep going. And people really found that strange. Two and a half weeks later, I was in rehearsals and people had a hard time with that. And one of my closest friends said, what you're doing at the moment is your head is down. You are laying stepping stones, whether that's through your career, that's personal, that's whatever. You're laying stepping stones and all you're focused on right now is one step in front of another. And you're putting those stones in place and you're getting to a destination. You don't know what that looks like, but you're focusing. Just build those stepping stones and keep stepping to the next one. Because you'll get to a point in your life where you're able to kind of uncurl your neck, stand straight, but you can turn around and look at all the steps that you've taken to get to that point. And I feel like I'm kind of at that point where I'm slowly starting to look up and to be able to appreciate all the steps that I've taken to get to this point. And that that is a achievement beyond, you know, anything that I that I could get a, an award or achieve whatever certificate, whatever mm. is that um, that process of of valuing each of those stepping stones, uh, yeah, all of those achievements, um, whether that is as big as you know winning awards or being able to tour sorry for your loss or to make my new works and those are received well and all of that or um, down to my son being showered every night and fed 
down to I got out of bed today and down to I look damn good in that photo, you know, to that's that's my fuck you is to be at that point where I'm able to look up and look back and go, frick, what an achievement to get here. I'm no longer just surviving. I can appreciate those stepping stones. And also, I'm excited-ish, slightly terrified, to turn and be like, okay, what's next? Set the next one, you know? I. Mm. Mm. That's mine. Mm. And I feel like there's a weave as well because um, there was um, I'm being reminded of when you were talking about um, your there's a struggle well there's a tension point between finding those outcomes or those um, those 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 you know the marking criteria of how to prove that you've 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 achieved those things outside of a tertiary education and I feel like there's a there's a there, ha, is is the proximity between that focado and what you've just said in terms of the stepping stones or am I am I weaving in two stories that are absolutely different. <laughs> No, yeah, totally. It's it it is. It's it's also not putting value on one above the other. Like they're all equal mm. and they're all getting me to a place. But I can't lose one otherwise I can't get to the next point. So yeah, absolutely. And 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 um just appreciating it on my own. Like there's not a point ever <laughs> thankfully my friends will say that. There's never a point that I say to like my my circle of people being like check that out check what I did out isn't that cool that I got that and or I did this isn't that great I don't do that (laughs) you know they might but I that's not for them that Mm. whole process is internal I don't I don't need anyone else to say wow you and they do wow you survived that and I'm like yeah cool but the process for me is doing it internal and be like frick pat myself on the back solid work sis keep going (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> love that sick <laughs> literally <laughs> well done <laughs> well done move on yeah. pretty much <laughs> it. it's 0.5 seconds but it is a good pack yeah. <laughs> well done oh and the kitchen's dirty yeah <laughs> well done dishes <laughs> or well done mum can you wipe my bum yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well done where's my kid yeah. Oh, not again. <laughs> Just out here self-reflecting on my achievements. Thank you so much. <laughs> well done. Where? Oh, bloody hell! I'm trying to achieve my. Like, don't you Do know? You I'm know trying to appreciate my achievements. Yeah. <laughs> I tried to so. say to my son the other day. I said I, I've been nominated for an award, and I said to him, took him out for dinner, had yummy food. I said, nice. Guess what? Mum's been nominated for this award. It's pretty cool, eh? And he's like, chicken's kind of spicy, mum. I was like, <laughs> I said, are you a little bit proud of me? He's like, yeah. I'm like, do you know what proud means? He's like, no. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> Solid. Literally. Wait, he's like waiting. He's like, are you done being 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 up yourself? Like, it's it's you know, it's me, right? Like, he literally said, are you unlocking the car? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great, cool. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sian, for coming through and sharing your stories and experiences with us. We do really appreciate it, and we know that your your corridor is going to resonate with so many people. Um. If people want to connect with you, how are they best to do that? Um, I have a website, but I'm probably most active on Instagram. Sian.parker.artist is my social media, Facebook, Instagram. And I think that's, not think, I should know. That's the website as well, sian.parker.com. We'll definitely link it in below as well, so at least that way you you can... No, but yes, thank you so much as well. Um, I'm I'm definitely meeting myself at a new reference point, mm. and I feel like yeah, Same. you've 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 helped me. Um, you've helped call in the way that I actually relate and 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 uplift people's mana, regardless of how what the story I'm weaving in for them. So mm. I really I, I really feel like I'm I'm able to receive myself at a better well at a different standpoint because I'm like yo, as you were saying, I'm like oh I think I've done that to a couple people as well. <laughs> 
So I'm like, thank you for calling me in. Thank you for calling me in. And and, and this honesty, and I think that's what you weaved in right at the beginning, and honesty, I've I've woven that in for other people. So I'm really thankful that Mm. I'm able to see myself better because you're able to share. So thank you so much. Amazing. Yes. All right. We started with a with a jingle, a jiggle. So would you would you like to jingle out with us? Love to. Love to. All right. The fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Hey. The fuck you. Fuck you. You. Oh my god. Oh, She's so, so beautiful. Oh, you. <laughs> 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 Let me pat, pat, pat you on the back. Pat yourself on the back. That was, that was, that was a milestone. <laughs> I freaking nailed that. <laughs> Mariah Carey, who? <laughs>